Well, good morning again. It is good to be here. I um, have been here without my wife, and she will hopefully be down here in the next couple of weeks. We're still trying to wrap up everything with the, getting the house sold. And, uh, but I am going back up to Chicago this week. So next week, John Koval from Genesis Church will be here. Um, I know many of you know him from before, and so excited to have him here. And then I'll be back the next week, and hopefully... Uh, Mary will be joining uh, me soon, so we're excited about transitioning down here. It's been raining for, oh, almost a week in Chicago, and my wife hates rain. But then I came here this morning, and it was pouring rain, so I'm not sure how Arizona's going to be. When, and you know, I drove my car down, so I flew back last, um, I flew back on Sunday, got in around 12.30, and got, well, that's when the flight landed, and then um, got to bed around 1.15, 1.30, and then left at 5.15 in the morning to drive back here. A friend drove with me, and I got all the way down here, and you know what I have in my trunk? Okay, that's a question. No, I, I have, like, no, a, a brush for, to brush the snow off. I have my snow brush, so. Does anyone want one of those? I have one. Oh, yeah, I heard about it. There's snow up there, right? So. Well, can you see it from here? Okay. So. I'll just, you know, in Chicago at Christmas time, you can put a fire on your TV. I'm just going to put snow on my TV. How many of you have ever had a vacuum cleaner salesperson come to your house? Okay, a couple of you have. Uh, a number of years ago, we had a Kirby, actually it was a guy and a girl come, a Kirby vacuum sales per people come to our house. It's a very interesting thing if you've ever had a um, vacuum cleaner. It's a great way to shop for a vacuum, to actually have a demonstration in your house, on the carpets, in your house. The other way is you go to a store, but you actually never use, when's the last time you were actually in a store and you tried out the vacuum? Why would you try it on a carpet that's not yours? Well, anyways, the Kirby vacuum people come, and I'm totally skeptical about letting these people in, but they seem nice. And the demonstration actually is very impressive. They ask you to get your vacuum out, and you vacuum a section of your carpet, and you vacuum it until you think it's clean. Then they take their vacuum, they put a filter in, and they vacuum the same spot, and then they pull the filter out, and you go, whoa. And then they tell you how much the vacuum is, and you go, whoa. It's like, how can you actually ask that much? I don't need another mortgage payment here. So. But it's an interesting way when you think about buying a vacuum. You get to try it in your house. They come to you where you're at, and you use the vacuum in your house where you need it. The other way is you go to the store where someone's selling vacuums, and you go there, and there's maybe 30 different brands. Well, it depends what store you're at. And you don't actually use it, but... People expect you to go somewhere else because they have the products there. Now, I know there's different ways to shop nowadays with um, Amazon and the internet and infomercials, but basically this is how people shop. Either someone comes to you where you're at to sell you something, or you go to where the product is. Think about church for a second. In the history of the church, this is often how the church has done things. The church has built buildings for people to come to. 
They've built churches, they've built cathedrals, they've built monasteries, and they expect people to go there rather than going out to where the people are at. In our text for today, we're going to look at John chapter 11. It's the story of Jesus and Lazarus. And as we look at our text, I hope we will ask ourselves this question, what is God asking us to do, and what is God asking our church to do today? So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. Our text is John chapter 11. I'll start at verse 1. John chapter 11. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, a village of Martha, uh, from Bethany the village of Martha and her sister Mary. This Mary was Lazarus's brother, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short time ago the religious leaders there tried to kill you and stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of them, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, we'll leave this story for a second and jump to something else. One of my favorite people from history is St. Patrick. St. Patrick is most associated with what country? Ireland. Ireland. But St. Patrick is not Irish. My father is from Ireland, and so I have an affinity with the Irish, and I want to give you a little background on St. Patrick, and then talk about our text, and see what profound implications there are for us today. Now, St. Patrick wasn't Irish. He was English. He grew up in a very privileged family in, in England, This is around 380 A.D. And his father was from a Roman family of high social standings. His mother was a close relative of the great patron, St. Martin of Tours. And his grandfather was a member of the clergy. And St. Patrick, though, was not raised with a strong emphasis on religion. And later on in his life, he would um, bemoan the fact that he wasn't well-educated. Well, when St. Patrick was 16 years old, he was captured 
by Irish pirates and taken to Ireland. And he was sold into slavery there, and his job was to tend sheep. His master was a guy by the name of Milku, and he was a high priest of Druidism, a pagan sect that ruled, um, ruled religious influence over Ireland at that time. And St. Patrick saw that his enslavement was a test of his faith. He was a captive for six years, and he became deeply devoted to Jesus at that time through prayer and meditation. And in a vision, when he was enslaved, he had a vision of children from Ireland reaching out their hands to him. And with this, he grew increasingly determined to free the Irish from pagan Druidism and convert them to Christianity. After six years, though, of being a slave, he had a vision of being freed, and so he went down to some sailors and got on a boat and sailed back to England and was reunited with his family, and he decided that he needed to be educated, and so he went off to France and was educated by a missionary by the name of St. Germain. St. Patrick never lost sight of his vision to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the Irish and to free them from Druidism. And so in 431, he went back to Ireland with the blessing of the church to be the first missionary to Ireland. And so St. Patrick goes there, and if you take a look at the next picture, um, how many of you have seen Star Wars? Okay, you'll know this. This is Skellig Michael. It's down the southwest corner of Ireland. This is where Luke is at the end of the movie. These are the stairs. I happened to be there a couple years ago. It's an incredible place. And this is where Luke is at the end of the movie. You guys, you, you got to nod your head if you like. Okay, you're like, yeah, this is second service. You guys should be awake. So this is where Luke is. Luke has gone back to find the very first Jedi temple. So now we know that the Irish are Jedis. Well, upon his arrival in Ireland, St. Patrick was not met warmly. Rather, he faced hostile resistance. But he went around the whole country, and Ireland has a very harsh um, geography. And so St. Patrick went all the way around the whole country proclaiming Jesus and the gospel and freedom that comes in Jesus Christ alone to people who were very religious people, the Druids. And he through teaching and faithful prayer and teaching the scriptures, he was able to convert many people to Christianity that they would be freed and have new life in Jesus Christ. And St. Patrick never built a church. So what does this have to do with Jesus and Lazarus? Well, let's take a quick look at the story, and then I'll hopefully be able to tie St. Patrick, Lazarus, and all this together and see the implications for us today. Lazarus is dead. It's Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. They live in Bethany. Bethany is just a couple miles from Jerusalem, and so this is very close, um, the proximity to where the temple is. Mary and Martha are upset at Jesus because if Jesus had been with Lazarus when he was sick, he could have healed him so he wouldn't have died. So Mary and Martha are mad at Jesus. Jesus now says to the disciples, okay, let's go back to Jerusalem or to Bethany. And they're upset at him because the last time they were there, the religious leaders tried to kill Jesus. And they're like, if we go back there, we're going to be persecuted again. So they're not happy with Jesus. 
But in this story, I think what we will see is that Jesus lays out for us an incredible example of how to do evangelism and discipleship. So let's go on with the story. It's John chapter 11, verse 17. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though that he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Then you jump down to verse 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. We are called to go to those who are dead because they can't come to us. We are called to go to those who are spiritually dead and we are to call them from death to new life. And we are to remove any hindrances that are keeping the dead from living. And finally, we are to unwrap the grave clothes the things that keep people dead. So I want us to do some exercises this morning. This is Christian exercise. So if you're able, stand with me for a second. So Christian exercises. So you can just mirror what I'm doing. Okay, we are to go to the dead, remove the stone, call people from death to life, and then unwrap the grave clothes. Okay? Go to the dead, roll the stone away, Call people from death to life and unwrap the grave clothes. Okay? You can sit. Sit down. (laughs) There's your exercises for the day. We are to go, the first thing we're supposed to do, the first thing is we are to go to the dead. Where are the spiritually dead? They're all around us. They're all around us. And we are to go to them, and I think this is important for us to remember. We are not to sit back 
and wait for people to come to us. We are to go to them. We are to go to the ones in need. We are to go to those who are hurting. We are to go to those who think that God is far from them. And we are to go and proclaim life in Jesus. And we need to get outside the walls of the church and we are to be with people where they are at. St. Patrick, when he, was, when he went to the Irish, he never built churches and expected people to come to him. Rather, he went to where they were at, he met them where they were at, in their homes, in their workplaces, no matter where they were, and he proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ to them there. So often we still live under that mentality, if we build it, they will come. Think of this, how many churches did Jesus build? None. He didn't sit in Jerusalem and wait for people to come to him. He went to where they were. And he expects us to do the same. I'm going to tell you something that may seem a little strange, but just bear with me for a bit. We are not to be a welcoming church. And what I mean by that, just bear with me. A welcoming church is a passive church. We wait for people to come, and when people come, we welcome them. Now, We should be welcoming, absolutely. But we are to be an inviting church. We are to go and invite people to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be inviting and welcoming at the same time. But oftentimes people just say, oh, they're a welcoming church. Why? Because when I went, they were nice. We're supposed to be inviting and welcoming. So, first thing is we're to go to the dead. The second thing is, We are to remove the stone. We are to remove the barriers that keep people from hearing of new life in Jesus Christ. What are the barriers that keep people from hearing the gospel? Poverty, oppression, sin. There are so many things that keep people from hearing the gospel. Think about it. Oftentimes, one of the things that keeps people from hearing is Christians. Our own behavior. Number one accusation against Christians are that we are hypocrites but there's always room for one more (laughs) how do we battle that barrier through love through love be loving and authentic that's how you destroy the barrier most people think of the church or at least Christianity as well they stand against this and that they don't know what we stand for they know what we stand against God just doesn't want you to have any fun that type of thing Jesus said, they'll know you are Christians by your love. If you love one another. And so how do we get rid of that stone? We love one another. This is Christianity 101. The third thing is, we are to call people from death to life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we are to proclaim life in Jesus' name. You see, Buddha is not the resurrection. Krishna is not the resurrection. Muhammad is not the resurrection. It is only in Jesus Christ that we can proclaim the resurrection and new life. St. Patrick went around the countryside to very religious people. The people he went to were the Druids, and they had incredible religious practices. They were very religious, but they did not have life. The life that only Jesus can give. And we are to proclaim that life. We are not to call people to religion. We are to call people to a relationship with Jesus Christ because only in that 
will they experience new life? And then the fourth thing we're supposed to do is we are to remove the grave clothes. See, Jesus is the one who gives life. Jesus calls Lazarus and gives life. And then he tells us to participate with him in this process. We aren't the ones who give life. We can't. But what does he tell us to do? Remove the grave clothes. Remove the things that entangle people in the things of death. And guess what? It's going to be smelly and messy. But this leads to true freedom and happiness. What are the grave clothes that people are wearing today? And why would we ever put them back on? There are clothes to be buried in, there's clothes to live in. And most of you know that the clothes to be buried in smell like death. But others smell like life. You understand I'm speaking figuratively here. But we are called to go and unwrap people from the things that are keeping them entangled in death. Now back in Jesus' day when a person was buried, what they would do is they would anoint the body with aloes and spices and then they would wrap the person in strips of linen so that the body wouldn't smell so bad so quickly. It's not exactly a mummy, but it's very similar to mummy. The point is that a dead person wouldn't be able to unwrap themselves. And spiritually, that's the same. People have been called to new life in Jesus, but they're often unable to free themselves from their grave clothes. And that's where we come in. We are to unwrap the grave clothes. They are alive and free, but still entangled with the things of death. And so the disciples have a job. We have a job. Take off the grave clothes and let them go. It's going to be messy. It's going to be smelly. But God has called us to do this. I think it's very difficult for people who are entangled with the troubles of life to come to church. It's much easier for us to go to them. To go to where they're at and to call them to new life. So there's four questions for us today. Four questions are this. First question is, to whom is God calling you to go today? Pray and ask God to lay on your heart a couple names of people who need to experience new life in Jesus Christ. Then the second thing is, what stone is God calling you to roll away? What is the barrier keeping the dead from you or from keeping you from the dead? The third thing to remember is that we are to call people to new life in Jesus Christ. Don't call people or invite people to a religion. Religion does not give life. Only Jesus does. And so call people to a new life in Jesus and a personal relationship with Jesus. And then the fourth thing is, what are the grave clothes that you have been called to unwrap? But here's the thought. It's very hard to unwrap someone else's grave clothes when you're still wearing them yourself. And so Jesus calls us to go to those who are dead, to remove the stone 
to call people from death to life and to unwrap the grave clothes. And that leads to freedom. Now, I've been looking at this text sort of allegorically. But the big question in all of this is why? Why are we supposed to be doing this? When you go back to John chapter 4, I mean John chapter 11 verse 4. And Jesus said this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. You see, Jesus didn't just heal Lazarus. No, Jesus has a power over life and death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus is life. It's a different quality of life. In Christianity, it is not about becoming self-actualized and being the best person that you can be. Absolutely not. It's a different quality of life that Jesus offers that the world cannot offer. And our life is in him and him alone. And we have experienced this. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have experienced this new life. You've experienced the mercy and grace of God. And this good news is for all people everywhere. And so Jesus tells us, since you have experienced this new life, go and share it with others because I want everyone to experience this life that I give. No one is to be left out. So go. Go to those who are dead. Remove the stone. Call people to new life in Jesus. And then unwrap the grave clothes. Jesus and Jesus alone gives life that transforms us. Here and now and for all eternity. And this leads us right into Holy Communion. When we celebrate communion together, we are reminded of the sacrifice Jesus gave for us in order for us to have this new life. And Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he was with his disciples and he was teaching them all of this. And Judas was with them. Judas was with them. And so on the night when Jesus was with his disciples, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. I am giving my body for you. I'm going to go and sacrifice myself for you on the cross that you might have the forgiveness of sins and life eternal. And he offers us his own body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. I'm going to shed my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. So as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is food for your soul. Food for your soul. To remind us of this new life. And as the bread and the cup nourish our body, by participating in Jesus, it nourishes our soul. And so in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come forward. There will be people at each table here, and we celebrate open communion at Hope Covenant Church, which means you do not need to be a member here, but as long as you have experienced new life in Jesus Christ, as long as you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is the one who invites you to come. 
And so if you're not familiar with how we do communion here, um, you'll be invited to come. There'll be a tray with some bread on it. And we, today we're doing intinction, which means you take the bread and then you can dip it into the cup and you'll hear the words, the body, body of Christ given for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. And as you take the bread and the cup, remember it's because Jesus loves you. His sacrifice for you that gives you new life. But this isn't just for us. This is for all people everywhere. And we are called to go and take this good news to everyone. We are to go because Jesus came to us. And so come not because someone else around you is coming. Come because you hear Jesus calling you to come. It's food for your soul. Amen. Amen. Amen.